live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I, you know, in the in the introduction, the lead into the program, I made a reference to an election that's being held in Wisconsin today. A number of people texted in and said, "What are you talking about? What election is going on?" Yes, there is an election being held, and you know what? It's being held in the era of coronavirus, and it's also being held under the normal rules that we have. And you know what? I I don't hear a lot of outrage about this. For those of you who are not familiar, you will remember that Sean Duffy for years was the congressman who represented Wisconsin's 7th Congressional District. The the 7th District is essentially northwest Wisconsin, much of central Wisconsin, the Northwoods, and all of northwestern Wisconsin. It's a, a mostly rural district. Sean Duffy stepped down from Congress um, with time remaining on his term. And if you will remember, for a variety of reasons, that, that's, that seat has been vacant for like going on eight months. The special elections were delayed. In any event, the special election is being held today. The, the favorite to win this, this is a, a heavily Republican district. Um, it was carried by President Trump in 2016 by about 20 points. The Republican candidate is the state senator from that area, from Manaqua, uh, Tom Tiffany. He is running against the Democrat. Her name is Tricia Zunker. This this has been, it's gotten some attention nationwide. Um, national Democrats have poured a whole bunch of money into that district trying to, if not win the seat, trying to show that President Trump is weakened. And I, I think it's going to be probably closer than, than a 20-point sort of thing. But um, nonetheless, it, it's being conducted. It's being conducted under, wait for this, the rules that we have had in place forever. In other words, that you, you can vote by mail, by absentee ballot, but the ballots have to be received by eight o'clock today. So there's none of this here. We're gonna we're gonna let people submit ballots for you know the better part of a week, and then we're going to count those. Um, right now, the current numbers were that about 112. There, there's there's 423,000 registered voters in that district. Um, about 112,000 people had requested absentee ballots. 110,000 had been sent out, 76,000 had been returned. Um, on April 7th, which was the, the statewide general election, about half of those who voted voted in the district, did so by absentee ballot. My guess is a lot more people are going to be voting in person today. But in any event, uh, there don't appear to be any major problems with this. There, there are National Guard troops that are, again, helping with maintaining social distancing and things at the polls. We're going to talk about whether or not 
all right, the experience today and the experience moving forward means that maybe we are going to be able to conduct elections moving forward without having to drastically change the rules to say you, you can no longer vote in person. But that's the election that's going on today, and we anticipate that there's going to be results tonight. Uh, again, um, the, the overwhelming thought is that the Tom Tiffany, the Republican, is going to win and probably win comfortably. Regardless of who wins tonight, though, the seat, this is just to fill the balance of Sean Duffy's term. So both candidates, I think they've already said they're going to run again. So whoever wins today gets to be in Congress through, uh, again, the end of the year, but they're going to have to stand for a re-election. Whoever wins is going to have to stand for re-election in in early November. So that's the election that is going on. We're also, again, waiting for the, the state Supreme Court. The arguments as to the authority that the governor has to essentially continue his safer at home order indefinitely. Those arguments were a a week ago, and I think a lot of people are expecting that there is going to be a decision sometime soon. You would think that that would be the case because, depending on how you do the math, the governor's authority may expire today or, or tomorrow. But, um, again, the Supreme Court has its own timetable. You know, we will see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that decision. I wouldn't have been surprised to see the decision come out at the end of last week. I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see the decision come out today or sometime in the near future. But um, we'll certainly talk about it when it occurs. All right. Let us get started. Yesterday, Governor Evers uh, announced yet another change to the safer at home rules. And I'm. If you will recall, at the end of last week, he announced that small businesses or businesses in general could could open up non-essential businesses to curbside service, but nobody allowed into the, the store. Okay, that that was the idea. Uh, yesterday, and I'm not sure what happened between the end of last week and early this week, but yesterday he announced that um, retail stores, including small businesses, could open up and they could allow in-person shopping but but they'd have to maintain social distancing okay fine and the stores could have no more than five people in them at at one time now I I was trying to think about this when this order came out and I'm I'm thinking about some of the stores that are are near and and let me say first I, I have no problem with allowing stores to to open up and to allow people into the stores because as I have been arguing for the last two months it makes no sense to me at all to allow a couple hundred people to go into a Costco but not to have allowed anybody to go into okay Frank's luggage store across the street from the Costco here is the problem though there are a number of retailers for whom it doesn't make any economic sense to open up if you only allow five people in in the store. For example, there is, not that far from where I live, there is a Bed Bath & Beyond store that's a big store. It's got a a lot of square footage in that, that store. All right, and then down the street from the Bed Bath & Beyond, there is a target. Okay, now the target is bigger as far as square footage. There's no question about it. But the target 
opens up and the target can have you drive past that parking lot and it's just it's full of cars and there's i don't know hundreds of people probably in that target store then you look at the bed bath and beyond store and the requirement is okay the bed bath and beyond store could open up but you can only have five people in that store even though there, there's just a ton of square footage that would be there. Well, only allowing five people into the Bed Bath & Beyond store doesn't make any sense economically. You know, they're, they're not going to open up this big store for, for five people. Same thing would be true of, let's say, a furniture store that, that's been closed because it's a non-essential business or, or whatever. You've got a furniture store with lots of, of square footage that would be in there. Well, to say, okay, you can open up, but you can only have five people in at any given time doesn't make a lot of sense because it's not going to be economically feasible to do this. So am I glad that we are starting to say to retail stores, you, you can open up? I, I think that that's a, that's a good thing. I think you can make a strong argument that they should have never been forced to close in, in the first place. But at the same time, doesn't this five-person limit in a store seem in incredibly arbitrary, especially when you've got Targets and Costco's and um, you know Menards and, and Home Depots and the list goes on and on and on that are allowed to that have been allowed to be opened up and allowed to have enormous numbers of people in them. Now, I mean, I think. You know, these stores, can't we trust the stores to do the right thing? To say, okay, we're going to open up, but we're, we're going to practice the social distancing. We're going to put the little X's on the floor. So, you know, if you line up to, to check out, you know, you, you can't be within X number of feet of each other. I mean, do we really need these, okay, we're going to limit this to five people. And it does it make sense to single out some businesses and say, okay, now we're going to let you open up, but you can only have five people in there when you can go down the street and th there's going to be hundreds of people. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, I, I think it's it's great that we're starting to allow people to go and shop in, in stores. I, that, that's, that is a, a good thing, and I know it is welcome relief to a lot of particularly small retailers. But for, I don't know, some of the larger retailers for whom you can say, well, you can be open for five people, but it's a practical matter, and the governor knows that. He said it. You know, this is this is for the really small businesses. I mean, why don't we let those furniture stores open up? Why don't we let the Bed Baths and Beyond stores open up? If people can go in and buy those products in a Target, why shouldn't they be able to go in and buy them in, uh, again, some of these other stores? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. We're going to get the calls in just a minute. Jeff, I work at a local thrift store. We weren't we aren't opening up with the five-person rule. We're only open Thursday through Saturday. We always have a line waiting outside when we open. There's no way we could open and function successfully only allowing five people in at one time. Jim in Oconomowoc says, Jeff, I, doesn't, I've got a simple and reasonable solution. Five customers for every thousand square feet a store occupies or, or a similar metric. Which, which, yeah, to me, that, that, that would make sense. If the idea is to limit the number of people 
in a store, why pick an arbitrary number of five? Don't you want to base it, if you feel that this is what we have to do, even though then, again, the argument is, you don't you have to apply that metric to the targets and to the Menards and to the Costco's? Now, look, I, I don't, I, I'm glad we're starting to allow businesses to open up. I mean, I'm glad that now, you know, you can go into the, the local jewelry store, for example, that, that probably, you know, doesn't have more than five people in that store at, at any given time. So that, that's a good thing. But again, this is to me, it's the whole, it's not Badger bounce back, it's Badger whack-a-mole. We're just kind of like banging around to things with no consistency and no real express rationale for saying, okay, we're going to let this store open up now, but you're not going to be able to effectively open up because even though you've got this huge facility, you know, you're limited to five people in it. Sue in Menominee Falls. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hi, um, I just wanted to make a point. We have a governor who does not trust any business owner, and he doesn't trust any Wisconsin resident to make a smart decision, and he always has to feel like he's in control. And I have a liquor store I go in that's probably 15 to 20 people all the time, and it's probably one-fifth of the size of a Bed Bath & Beyond. So um, it's just totally arbitrary. And um, right. I think everybody's sick of it. Business owners should be making their own decisions. And I'm pretty sure they've decided what's important the second week they were already closed. They all have their own plan. Well, well right, you're right. And, they, and they, the last thing you want to do is make customers uncomfortable in your store. Why can't we trust those business owners to say, okay, look, this is what we're going to have to do. Maybe we're going to require people to wear masks in the stores. Maybe we're going to, you know, limit this or we're going to spread people out or whatever. Do you really need our masters in Madison saying you can only have five people in a particular store at any given time? Why can't we trust People, and why doesn't the government in Madison trust people? Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, she raises this situation of a liquor store. Liquor stores are essential businesses. And don't get me wrong, I'm not arguing for the closures of liquor stores, but there is... There's a liquor store a couple miles away from from where I live. It's not one of the the it, it's it's a it's a liquor store and it's a relatively small store and it's got relatively narrow aisles. But I drive by there and yes, at any given time, Sue is exactly right. There are there are more than five customers that are in that small liquor store. And again, they they space it out a little bit. And the last time I was in there, they had the X's on the floor, so you're not standing on top of each other waiting to check out. But but yeah, that that liquor store. And I'm not arguing that that liquor store should be closed. That liquor store has been allowed to stay open, and you've been allowed to put more than again five people that would. You know, the, 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 there's 10 or 12 people in this little tiny liquor store, but yet we're going to say, okay, you're going to be limited to these other businesses for five. I would be curious to know, again, what is the rationale behind this? Where are the studies? Where is the science that says, well, okay, the Bed Bath & Beyond can only have five people in the giant space, but the, the liquor store can have you know, 12 in it. It's just, again, this seems like we're just, we're banging away at that board here. Okay, let, let's do this. It's kind of like, remember when we opened the golf courses? And I'm all in favor of opening the golf courses. But first, the rule was, okay, the golf courses can open on Friday, but no golf carts. 
And then, okay, well, we can use golf carts if people are disabled. And then it was, okay, well, now we're, we're going to let people, you know, use golf carts, but they have to, you know, ride in the golf cart them, themselves. It's kind of like, okay, every three or four hours we come up with, like, something different that's not based at all on any of the metrics with what's going on with regard to, I mean, the virus. Let's talk to um, Dell in West Dallas. Dell, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Um, I just kind of have a simple, hi, um, I just kind of have a simple premise with this, and that is the whole reason we're doing this is to, you know, limit the spread. And going along with that, I, you know, if you want to open up all businesses, I think that's great. I think the five-person thing is silly because as long as you adhere to social distancing, you're going to only want so many people in the store and stuff like that. But the bigger thing is that, you know, if I'm somebody that wants to go out to a supper club, if I want to go to my neighborhood card collecting store, whatever small business we're talking about, comic store or something like that, if I'm somebody who thinks that I'm susceptible to COVID-19, I'm not going out anyways. But if I need to get food and go go to Home Depot and get house supplies, if I need to do that, those stores still need to very much adhere to the uh, guidelines. Mm-hmm. Get me? Well, I no, I do. No, thanks. And I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think that the number, see, that's my point. The number five is incredibly arbitrary. But see, I, I think stores are going to do that re- regardless. I mean, I think, I, look, if, if, I was a, if I was a business owner, and, and I, I mean, I want my customers to feel comfortable. The last thing I want is somebody coming into my little jewelry store and me being sick and they, they getting me sick or me making them sick or, or whatever. And, and then, you know, you, you have this whole thing that, that explodes from there. So, I mean, I guess I, I'm willing to trust the, the, the businesses. I mean, the, the stores that I go to, I go to this hardware store right down the street from me and I've seen what they, they've, they've done. They, they've erected like plastic, uh, plexiglass barriers. So, you know, you can go, you shop, you buy the stuff that you need. I was there yesterday getting some things, and then you go up and you put the stuff on the counter, and the gal, you know, reaches through the little slot and she, you know, rings the stuff up, and then she, you know, puts it in a bag and gives it back to you, and you give the money. It, it's, I mean, obviously, I'm not just saying you turn this into the wild west, but my point is, don't you have to be smart about this? And, and if you're going to like make these different rules, don't you have to be able to explain and justify these things intellectually? And and again. Five is just so completely arbitrary. Am I glad the small businesses are open? Absolutely. But it, it's just so terribly arbitrary that, okay, we're picking winners and losers. This business has to stay closed, or, yes, you can stay closed, but even though you've got thousands of square feet, you can only let five people in, so obviously you're, you're not going to open up. It just it doesn't seem to me to make any sense. It is not well thought out. There doesn't seem to be a plan, and that's the frustration. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let me share a couple of, we got a ton of text during that last segment. Let me share a couple before we, we, we move on to some interesting data in the Marquette University Law School poll, including the head-to-head between Trump and Biden. But, but again, I was commenting on what I, what I think is kind of this like whack-a-mole or whack-a-badger approach that the governor has where we're just randomly saying, okay, this business can open up, this business has to be closed, you have to have this number of people here, without any 
real science or, or, or thought or explanation as to why all this arbitrary stuff is going on. Here's a couple texts. Jeff, um, if we don't open up the state soon, you're going to have needless suffering and death from people who are depressed, people who can't afford to pay their bills. And if people are worried about opening too soon, don't go out of your house. Nobody is forcing you to do that. Jeff, the faster we end the restrictions, the faster this will all pass. The governor is holding this up. Jeff, the governor needs to trust the people to make this country what it is, entrepreneurs and business owners, not politicians. Jeff, Home Depot in the North Shore limits it to 100 people. Menards at Northridge says 400. Sam's Club says 300. Where is the logic? Well, that's kind of the point. Jeff, shooting from the hip, a plan that just shoots from the hip, is not and will not never win. Jeff, I would love to go to the Marshalls in West Bend and support them and get some new walking shoes, but there's no way they're going to open up for five customers. Well, yeah, that's that's the the point. Um, Yeah, they're just not going to end up doing that at, at all. Jeff, remember, the reason we closed was to take pressure off of hospitals. That pressure never came. Now it's like we are under you know, house arrest. Jeff, the government is just dribbling crumbs and hoping pe- to make people happy with those crumbs. Well, I think there's some elements to that. Um, that's it. All right. So let's go to the Marquette University Law School poll that, that came out. And it's, I mean, the, 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 when we were reporting, the big top line thing is, uh, the, the question about, uh, let me see, let's, let's pull this down because they ask, da, 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 they enter registered voters and they are, they are asking the, the question about, are you worried? Are you worried that we're going to reopen too soon or not soon uh, enough? And the, the takeaway number is 56% of people are more concerned that Wisconsin will reopen too soon. 40% concerned Wisconsin will not reopen soon enough. Now, let me just, just say this about that poll. I, 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 and I'm not criticizing the question, but I don't know what that means. You're concerned that Wisconsin will reopen too soon. Well, what, what, is, what does it mean when you say reopen? Because to, to me, that's, that's all different that, that encompasses a whole bunch of different things. If you say, are you concerned? And when I think about reopening, that means, hey, we're going we're gonna to open up the park. So you're going to have jazz in the park, and you're going to have like 800 people sitting next to each other. Are you concerned about that? Well, okay, that's, that's a different question than are you, gee, are you concerned about opening up a restaurant? Or are you concerned about allowing you know more than five people to go into, uh, again, the, the Marshall store? So I, it's it's tough to know because it's a vague question and my guess is that the people are going to answer that differently depending on how they answer it but okay here's here's the some of the poll questions they ask if safer at home were lifted now would you be comfortable visiting a friend or a family member's home 77 percent say yes i i believe that um if Safer at home were lifted now. Would you be comfortable shopping at a mall or a large retail store? 56% say yes. 46% say no. Which I guess it, it's tough for me to reconcile those sort of numbers with, you know, 56% of people are concerned Wisconsin will reopen too soon. Again, I, I don't know what they're interpreting that to be. All right. If safer at home were lifted now, would you be comfortable going to worship services? 45% say yes. 52% say no. Um, if Safer at Home were lifted now, would you be comfortable going to a major sporting event, concert, or play? 25% say 
Um, yes, they would be comfortable. 73% say no. Yeah, and, and I kind of buy that. As a matter of fact, I, I might be in that, that category as well. So, again, that makes me wonder what that, that major, that big question they ask is, are you worried the restrictions are going to be lifted too soon or, or not soon enough? Because what are we talking about? Are you saying, okay, let, let's put 20,000 people at Fiserv? Well, okay, I might, I mean, if you were answering, asking me that question, I would say I'm not sure that that's a good idea right now. I don't know when it's going to be a good idea, but I don't think it's a good idea. On the other hand, should you allow marshals to have 50 people in the store like we allow Target? Absolutely, I'd say there's no problem with that. Okay, here's the question, though, that I want to use as a launching point to discuss. They asked about restaurants. If Safer at Home, were, if the order was lifted now, would you be comfortable eating in a restaurant? Now, there's no... There, there's no limitation on that they don't say eating in a restaurant if the capacity was 50 percent eating in a restaurant if every other booth was covered so there's there's no modifiers for that but that's fine if safer at home were lifted now would you be comfortable eating in a restaurant 42 percent say yes 57 percent say no okay i find that i'm intrigued by that and that's that is my question to you Let's do our own little poll in the Wagner program here. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If the Supreme Court comes down today, tomorrow, whatever, strikes the governor's authority to issue the safer-at-home order, if restaurants are allowed to, not required to, but are allowed to reopen, and, I mean, I'm going to assume that a restaurant owner being responsible is going to put in certain limitations to make sure that the clientele doesn't get sick and that the employees don't get sick and people feel comfortable going there. But let's just tee this up. If Safer at Home were lifted now, would you be comfortable eating in a restaurant? Yes or no? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And again, I, I think there's some variables here. If you were saying to me, Jeff... Do you, would you be running into, I, I don't know, a cafeteria-style restaurant that, that's got, like, buffets? Well, my answer is no. I don't, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be comfortable going back to a buffet. I don't know what that's going to be. If you're saying to me, Jeff, would you be comfortable piling into a place where, you know, you're bellying up to the, the bar and there's 300 people there and the maximum capacity of the building is 302, would you be comfortable with that? My, my answer would be probably no. But in general, if you ask me the question, gee, are you comfortable going back to a restaurant and would you be? My answer is is yes. I mean, it's going to depend a little bit on the restaurant and what they do. But as a general rule, yes, as soon as we lift stay at home, I'm going to a restaurant. I have no problem with that. How about you? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is back at the studio lining up the calls. We discuss in just a minute. Are you going to be comfortable? If stay-at-home is lifted this afternoon, would you be comfortable going to a restaurant? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So the Marquette Law School poll comes out, and um, the question is, if Safer at Home were lifted now, would you be comfortable eating in a restaurant? 42% say yes, 57% say no. I, I don't 
I don't believe those numbers. Now, again, I, I guess if you're asking me any restaurant, am I going to go to, you know, one of the, like, open buffets or something? My, my answer is no. But as a general rule, um, would I be comfortable going to a restaurant, and do I intend to do that within a day or two of when they open up? Y- yeah. I mean, maybe not every restaurant. And, and maybe not some of these like kind of small places where you're going to be sitting on top of each other, but appropriate social distancing. I have no trouble going back. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, 100%. Yes. Jeff, yes. I would eat in a restaurant in a minute. Um, Jeff, if you're worried businesses or restaurants are going to open too early, don't go. Simple. If they don't open a lot soon, a lot won't open at all. Jeff, don't believe the polls open the state now. Jeff, I would go to a restaurant while observing social distancing, of course. I definitely won't be attending any crowded events until there is a vaccine. Yeah, I think that that's um, I think that that's a fair sort of concept. Jeff, I would not be eating in a restaurant anytime soon. I have two medical friends who both say they won't be taking their families to restaurants until at least early 2021. I don't know when I would be comfortable. All right, Jeff, absolutely. I would go out every weekend and spend money at several different places. Jeff, if you want to go, I will hold the door for you. Jeff, my fiancé and, and I have a date planned to the melting pot in Appleton as soon as the restaurants are open. Fondue-style restaurants are absolutely delicious. Okay, well, fondue-style restaurants might be a bit of a, a challenge. Um, um, Jeff, I'm going out to eat the first chance that I get. Jeff, um, eating in a restaurant, yes, I'd eat in a restaurant in a minute. Um, getting takeout and eating out of a styrofoam carton is just not the same. I like to sit down at a restaurant and be served. Um, Jeff, I would be comfortable going. I work for a distributor, and all my accounts are taking it seriously and responsibly. Jeff, I, I would. A- at least um, at least they'll get the 42% that say yes. That would be maximum capacity anyways. Jeff, absolutely yes. Use precautions, but get on with it. 855-616-1620. Mark in Wind Lake. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, I have low immunity. I have a 16-year-old daughter with special needs that has low immunity, and we both have had this discussion. Absolutely reopen this. Let us go back out. We also owned a retail business, which was not a restaurant. We would be bankrupt by this point in time. If we don't reopen restaurants, we are not going to have good restaurants to go to. We'll be the first ones. We've already said, where's the first place we're going? We're going to Ballasteries and Wauwatosa for pizza and the pizza place. place. And that place is always, it's always packed, and we're going to be on top of each other, but we are willing to take our chances. It's time to reopen this economy. 100% yes, let us spend money and keep these local businesses alive. Mark, thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your taste in pizza. That's one of my very favorite places for pizza as well. Um, Jeff, my wife and I just relocated last week from Milwaukee to Dallas. Um, restaurants have been open in Dallas for a while. We've been there three times. I feel uh, very comfortable in the dining situation. And, again, that I mean, again, restaurant tours have got to be smart about this, and they've got to know that this is a concern, and if, 
if you just decide, okay, we're going to cram a ton of people in, well, obviously folks are going to get uncomfortable and not going to come. So, I mean, I, I, I am giving, I am giving business owners a little bit of credit. Jeff, I cannot wait to, um, go out and they cite a particular restaurant. I want to go there for the all you can eat uh, fish fry. Jeff, I'm tired of cooking. I don't do fast food, but a good sit down restaurant is great. There are way too many businesses that aren't going to survive this. 100% yes. Jeff, absolutely. I would go to any restaurants. It might not be a popular stance, but I'm under 60 and healthy. My job is to protect me, not protect you, and I don't expect anyone to protect me. Stay at home if you like, but let me live my life. Jeff, let me know when they're open. I will be at restaurants in a heartbeat. Jeff, I'm dying for a burger and a beer in a restaurant. Jeff, I would go to restaurants, sit and eat. Oh, other states and countries have some restaurants open with all the tables separated far enough and servers wearing gloves and masks. Yeah, um, Jeff, I would absolutely go to a restaurant in a heartbeat. Once they open, I'm calling, I'm texting from Fond du Lac. Jeff, my husband and I were just talking about how much we miss our favorite restaurant, and then they name it. Um, although it's geared to family dining, we would not take our kids with us the first couple times. Um, Jeff, I would love to go for for a brunch. Huh. Um, okay, well, some of the, that's going to be a different challenge. I mean, the, the places that have like the serve yourself buffets and all, that, that's going to be a way off I, I just they're, they're gonna have to figure out how, how to do it maybe with servers or things like that Jeff I would be comfortable eating at a restaurant but I am not certain I'd really enjoy the necessary restrictions so I'd be feeling safe but I'm not sure I'd find the total experience worth it above and beyond the comforts of home cooking if you can't socialize in the past went out why bother? I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, you have to have a balancing of that. There's there's no question about it. Well, you get an idea. And I, I would say our texts, and we have a ton of them, probably 90, 10 people saying, yeah, with, with you know, we, we, we'd feel comfortable going to the restaurants. Jeff, um, I'm, I live in Sarasota, Florida. I've been to several different restaurants in Sarasota during this. The only requirement I have is the food be good and it has to be clean, which is always one of my requirements. Um, no, Jeff, we need to be totally locked down and controlled by the government. They're being sarcastic. We are not smart enough to handle this situation our, ourselves. Jeff, I'm a contractor. I've lost a lot of book business. My employees are also having a tough time. It's not only restaurants that are suffering. I would and support all small businesses. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. Uh, Jeff, I would be going right now. Of course not to a buffet, but your analogy about the safest place to be after a bomb scare at a school is the school the next day applies. Yeah, what I always say is, and I, I said this about cruise ships. Now, look, at some point in time, you know, cruising is going to start. And, and when it does, my guess is cruise ships are going to be some of the most sanitary places in the world. Just like, you know, schools, if you're looking for a safe place to find a school, it's the day after a bomb threat because you've got the drugs, the bomb sniffing dogs, and you've got the police presence, and you've got all that stuff. I, I think that's going to be one of the silver clouds moving, silver linings moving forward, is that I think we're going to all be aware of, of more hygiene and things like that. But I mean I, I think on some of the restaurants, for example, that, that I patronize and and admittedly some are, are small, intimate dining things where there's not that many tables. I, I think that that's going to be a challenge. On the other hand, there there are other restaurants that I go to where there there's a ton of space where for example they have they have rooms set aside for like large parties and, and you could easily 
spread out the diners into some of those large large rooms. You you could easily separate you know the tables and things of the like, and and it wouldn't end up being a problem. So again, the, the Marquette University Law School poll says forty only forty two percent of people say that they would be comfortable um, going to a eating in a restaurant. I, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't buy it. Now, again, y- you have to have like an asterisk there. I mean, what type of restaurant are we talking about? How close quarters are you going to be? But I don't know about you. I'm ready to go back. No no question about it. And I will go back as soon as the government allows me to and the private business owners decide that they're going to operate. All right, back with lots more in just a couple minutes, including in a couple minutes, I want to talk about the election that is going on in Wisconsin today. Yes, there is an election. And from the world of politics, an interesting head-to-head result in Wisconsin, if you believe the Marquette Law School poll. My question is going to be, do you believe these numbers? We discuss in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We had a, got a ton of texts over, over the course of that last segment, and there, there's always inevitably like one that comes in about how I just I can't listen to you anymore because you just want people to die. And I really thought back, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a tweet yesterday. It's it's a really interesting column in the Chicago Tribune uh, about how sort of tribalized this is all getting. And, and you have, you know, on the one hand, you have some people that are perceived, I guess, if we want to start trusting people and opening up businesses. You know, there were over 500,000 people unemployed in the state, you know, as a result of this. And, and I get it. There, there's some people who don't care about that, and it's like, Okay, you know that that doesn't make any difference. We have to be we have to be incredibly safe. And if anybody else gets this virus, that's going to be terrible. And and if if you want to open up the state and get people back to work, you just don't care if people die. There, there's that there's that segment, and then there there's the other segment who who looks at the folks who who don't think that you know we should open up at all as as being the the phrase is coronavirus Karens you know the folks who are just just like um, be, behind closed doors and looking out their windows and are afraid to go outside and, and to me th- there is a middle ground there there is a, there is a, a middle ground first of all if you're somebody that's in one of these affected risk groups and stuff with the compromise systems or whatever you you know you you've got to be extra special careful you 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 really do and for somebody that's in that group for example if you if you look at where the the deaths are coming it's we we know we know where the really bad outcomes are, and we know people who are in those highest risk groups. And if you're around those people or you're one of those folks, you, you've got to take all sorts of special precautions. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the world needs to like come to a complete halt. And at the same time, the flip side is, do, do I think that we should immediately be rushing and putting 95,000 people at a, at a football stadium? Well, well no. But there, there's a, a middle ground there. And the piece that I was referring to that I said out on Twitter yesterday at Jeff Wagner 620 talks about that, that balancing of, of risk that you need to do. And for everybody who, uh, again, says, well, we, we just can't do anything, you know, we, we can't do anything because, you know, people are going to die or, or whatever, 
my question is, what is the end game? I mean, Dr. Fauci was testifying in front of the Senate today, and, and he's saying what I think a, a lot of people recognize. COVID-19 is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. I mean, that, that's, that is just the reality. This virus is not going to go away anytime soon. If we're lucky, if we're lucky we get a therapeutic for it, sometime in the next six months to a year if we're lucky and you know if we're lucky we we get a vaccine for it sometime in the next you know year or two and and maybe that timetable gets sped up and and that'll be great but even we get a vaccine i guarantee you there's huge chunks of the population that aren't going to take it i mean it's just something we have to figure out how to live with this we have to figure out how to balance the risk we have to concentrate on again those people who are most vulnerable to this, protecting them to the best we we can, but recognizing that, you know, I mean, unless the end game is just we're all going to, you know, cower in in our houses for the next year and a half and watch, okay, you know, in Wisconsin, 500,000 people be unemployed, watch that number, I don't know, increase to a million or, or whatever. It's just, and that's not a practical thing. So, you know, for everybody who for example, gets on me because I I think we should be reopening businesses and things like that. My point is, what is the end game here? Because I I don't know that the numbers are going to be any different two weeks from now. There's nothing magic about, you know, May 26th. There's nothing magic about June 15th. People are still going to be getting sick. This is going to be there. The whole question is, can we make sure that we have enough hospital capability to deal with the people that are really sick? And can we convince people to do the smart things when they're out and about in public, which is, again, maintaining the social distancing and those, those sort of things. But for, for, for the folks that say, well, if you're encouraging businesses to open up and people to get back to work and, and our economy to sort of restart all you care about, you don't care if people are going to die. Well, and, and what, what a self-entitled rule. That was one of the phrases. How self-entitled? No, well, that, that, that's easy to say if, you're, I don't know, living on Social Security and you don't go out that much anyhow and you've got a fixed income. That's easy to say, you know, that, that people who want us to get back to, you know, get people back to working, that we're all self-entitled because we want to see people be able to go back to work. All right. So Marquette University Law School poll coming out. Um, Tony Evers' job performance still high, 59%. That's down from 65%. I think people are... I mean, I think people, as they typically do, rally around leaders at the beginning of this, and now the longer this goes on, those those numbers drop. Same thing, approval of Evers' handling of the coronavirus in the new poll, 64%, which is a good number, but that's down from 76%. Um, so time goes on, and I think more and more people are saying, okay, what's what is the ultimate strategy? Where do we go from here? Here's the interesting numbers. They also do a head-to-head between Joe Biden and Donald Trump for the election. Now, this is interesting to me because is it possible for Donald Trump to get reelected if he doesn't carry Wisconsin? And the answer is yes, it's possible. Is it likely that President Trump gets reelected if he doesn't carry Wisconsin? And the answer is no, it, it's, it's not likely. You can look at the electoral map and you can carve out and you can figure out 
you know, uh, you, you can figure out a way to get the necessary electoral votes without Wisconsin, but it's it's very very difficult. So, um, what what does what does the Marquette University Law School poll show between Trump and Biden? And I guess I'm a little bit surprised because it still shows an incredibly competitive race in the race between Trump and Biden. Biden at 46, Trump at 43 percent. That is within the margin of error. Hmm. In March, late March, Biden was at 48, Trump 45 percent. February, it was 46 percent each. So Biden's slight lead still within the margin of error. But certainly it's interesting to me because I don't know if it's possible for a politician to have worse press than President Trump has had over the course of, of the last two months. I mean, let's face it, I don't care if you're a Trump supporter or a Trump hater, and I know there's a lot of people out there on both sides. The the coverage has been pretty much relentlessly negative, from blaming him for the economic situation that we find ourselves in, to blaming him for COVID-19, to criticizing him for the the press conferences and and things like that. I mean, the, the coverage has been pretty relentlessly negative, and still... Even looking at all this relentlessly negative coverage, you still see, at least if you believe these numbers, an extremely, extremely competitive race in Wisconsin, uh, which which tells me that Wisconsin is very much in, in play right now. And for anybody who thinks, oh, oh Joe Biden is going to walk away with it or Donald Trump is going to walk away with it, you, you've got another thing coming. It also tells me... That, that Biden is an inherently weak candidate. And I, I seriously wonder if if the, the presumptive Democratic nominee was somebody other than, than Joe Biden, um, like a, a Mario Cuomo or somebody, I, I wonder if, if that number would be would be a lot greater. My, my thinking is it probably would be. But at, at this point in time, neither candidate at 50%, very, very competitive. All right, speaking of elections, there is an election going on today, 7th Congressional District. This is um, this is the, the central Wisconsin up through the, the northwest, um, and the Republican is a heavy favorite. The election is being conducted under the previous rules. By that I mean you can in-person vote. You can early vote by absentee. You can vote by mail absentee. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether or not those rules should have been changed and for November, whether we need to change the rules for elections. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Very glad to have you with us. Say it with me, Moose. After giving up the lead in the ninth, Mike Moustakis and the crew came to bat in the tenth for a walk-off win in game one of the 2018 NLDS against the Colorado Rockies. Join us this Wednesday at 6 o'clock as Bob Euchre calls another Brewers Classic. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers Classic, sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Previa, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. All right, as we were talking about earlier today, there is an election going on in the western part of the state. The... Um, 
Tom Tiffany, who is a state senator, he's the Republican. He is running for it was the the seat previously occupied by Sean Duffy, Sean Duffy, Republican, who, as you will recall, stepped down last fall. The seat has been vacant for the last eight months. This is a special election, and I think most observers, it's a heavily Republican district. President Trump carried it by 20 points in 2016. Um, Most people expect uh, Tom Tiffany to win. His challenger is Trisha Zunker. Um, She's the chair of the Wausau School Board. The the Democrats have put a lot of money into this race, um, at least a lot more money than typically went in, because, again, this is being seen as, again, a referendum on on Trump's approval rating. Most observers predict that this is going to be a big win for Tiffany. But, again, who knows? Regardless of who wins today, they will have to run for re-election in November. So this is only to fill the balance of Duffy's term, so another five or six months or whatever that would be. The election is being held under the normal rules in the state of Wisconsin. In other words, there is in-person voting. There is also um, the, the early absentee voting that has been you know, going on. Um, what they estimate is that um, there will be uh, probably in the neighborhood of like uh, you know, 70 plus thousand people, over 70,000 people who in an in a area where there's I think 426,000 registered voters, they estimate that somewhere around 75,000 people will will vote by mail, that early absentee thing, but that there is going to be a huge in-person turnout. Maybe not as large as some other elections, but that's been the trend. This is not going to be an election where it's going to be all all vote by mail, M-A-I-L. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As near as I can figure out, there haven't been any reports of, of concern, people being fearful that they're going to contract coronavirus. Remember the April 6th election? We, we were told that, oh, my gosh, this is going to be devastating, and people are going to come out, and, and we're going to have thousands that get sick, and, and all of these people are going to die. And that just didn't materialize. The, the final numbers are that of the people who voted in person, of all the hundreds of thousands of people who voted in person on April 7th, a total of 71 were subsequently determined to have coronavirus. And of that 71, there, there's nobody that, that can trace that to the election because there's all sorts of other things that people did that might have exposed them to, to coronavirus. And so the, these arguments that, oh, you're going to have all these people that get infected and all these people who end up dying, that just didn't pan out. So still, there are people out there who maintain that we should not be having in-person elections. That what we need to do in the era of coronavirus, and I think one thing we can all agree on is that, I mean, coronavirus is going to be with us for, again, the foreseeable future. There are people out there who argue there is no reason at all to make people have to actually show up in person to vote. So what we should do is not only make it easy for them to vote early, um, but we should make it, mandatory for them to vote by mail. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. Should we, in the era of a pandemic, 
should we eliminate the option that somebody has to vote in person? Now, we're not talking about taking away your option to request that absentee ballot, or in some communities even be sent the absent, the application for the ballot. But we're talking about taking away your right to show up on Election Day and cast a ballot. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should we still be allowed to do it? Is it unreasonably risky to us, to the poll workers, to expect them to show up on an election day and, and actually process things. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. They should absolutely not be changed. I'm a firm believer in going to the polls. When I went there this year, there was social distancing by everybody. We were giving a pen. To, um, it was very safe. Jeff, why are you scared of voting by mail? That's another text. Well, I'm not scared of voting by mail. It's just that I don't think there needs to be a justification for saying you can't vote in person. And frankly, I don't think that there's any significant risk to doing that. I think it is possible to maintain the social distancing. I don't think it's any riskier going to the polls to vote by mail than it is going across the way, but going to the polls to vote in person, than it is going across the way to the local pick and save or the target or whatever. Matter of fact, I think you can make a strong argument that it's a lot safer the way we conduct things to go to the polls and cast the vote. And you know what? The, the numbers from the April 7th election prove me right. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Yeah, high-risk people should be able to vote during certain hours. Well, I mean, again, high-risk people, no, nobody says in Wisconsin that you have to physically go to the polls. There, there are all sorts of options for either early voting or for voting by mail. There's a couple hoops that you have to jump through, jump through, and I'm not arguing that we should take that away. I'm just saying I, I don't think we should take away the right of people to go down and vote in person. Jeff, I would rather vote in person. This year I voted absentee because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, I've always wondered about, you know, absent voting absentee. Well, I, I think actually in Wisconsin, I, I think we have the right mix that, that's there. And I think more and more people are going to early vote or vote by mail. I think it's going to be more common. And that's all well and good. That That's all well and good. But I don't think there's any justification or need to take away our right to show up and actually vote on Election Day. And you know what? What's going to happen today is going to prove that point, just like despite all the angst that went on on April 7th. Oh, people are going to get sick. This is going to be terrible. Didn't happen didn't happen in any sort of significant number at all. It's not going to happen today. And you know what? It's not going to happen in November. You can do these things safely. It's no more dangerous to go out and cast a vote, and probably, like I say, a lot less dangerous than it is to, I don't know, go into some of the stores around here. And I don't think it's that dangerous to do that as long as people are smart about things. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Southeastern Wisconsin is open for business. During these unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to WTMJ.com right now and you'll find a We're Open link on the homepage. 
You'll see a list of businesses in your community where your family, your friends, and neighbors are open for business. And if you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. All right. I was um, speaking last night to some friends of mine, friends of my wife's and I, who have a place in Florida. Matter of fact, they just they just got back to Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin, from Florida. They spend the, the winters down there, and um, they're in the Fort Myers area. And they were telling me about how at at the condo complex where they they own a unit, the the swimming pool was was not closed. And, and what they would do is they. We're talking about adults. You know, they, they would gather, and they, they, the people that live, and it's a small condo complex, you know, and they would, they would hang out by the pool, and people would social distance. It wasn't like everybody was on top of each other, but they would, they would swim in the pool as a general rule. And, again, this isn't a crowded particular place, so they were telling me that there, it's never like there's a, a ton of people in the pool. This isn't like a crowded public pool, but that was one of the things that, that they did. And it's been a very hot spring down in, uh, in Florida. Florida, at least where they were in general. So, I mean, they, they continue to use the pool. Now, I was thinking about this because there are, of course, lots of public pools in, in the area. And I don't know that any of them have any plans to open up soon. There was a story in the Chicago Tribune yesterday. And, of course, Illinois, the, the governor had, has been much more restrictive even than our governor has been about you know not letting things open up. Um, it is very, very uncertain as to whether in Illinois public pools are going to open up at all this year. And it's not so much a concern because the that the, the virus might be in the water because the the, the stuff the, the stuff that they put in the chemicals that you put in the the disinfectant um, I think they they say that they're they're designed to kill stuff considerably stronger than coronavirus so it's not so much that people are going to get sick by by swimming in in the pools but it's the idea that social distancing is going to be a lot more difficult for example you can't tell people to wear masks in pools um, it, it's tougher to keep people apart in in pools. As a matter of fact, you might argue that's not even practical to be able to do that. And, you know, even outside of the pools, I mean, like picture some of the public pools that are around there. You know, you've got the kids that are running around, they're, they're jumping. It's almost, as a practical matter, impossible to maintain six-foot distances. And it's impossible, to, as a practical matter, to put you know, masks on on teenagers or masks on kids or and then have them take off the mask and then jump in the pool and then put the mask back on. There's just all these, you know, practical problems with this. So the story I'm looking at at the Chicago Tribune is they, they think it is quite likely that there's not going to be any public swimming pools that are, are going to be allowed to, to open. And the ones that are allowed to open might even have requirements like like no children because again of the, these problems that I was just just talking about. All right, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think we should allow swimming pools to open up th- this summer? And is it is it even possible? And I'm and I and we, this would be I mean I guess public swimming pools like think the Milwaukee County Parks. 
you know, think the Ozaki County Parks, these public pools that communities have, or even the swimming pools that you have at, at private clubs, the private swim clubs or the country clubs that have pools that are associated with the golf courses. All right, should we be allowing, should people be allowed to go to pools this summer? Or is it just going to be too flat-out risky? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And then, of course, the related question is, all right, if, if the pools are too risky... What what about what about the beaches? You know, when it gets to be eighty five degrees here, you know, can we allow people to go to the beaches and can we allow people to go run into the, the water? I mean, are 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 we gonna have to eliminate swimming this year until we get a vaccine for COVID nineteen? Eight five five six one six one six twenty, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we allow pools to reopen this summer? And is there reasonable rules that we can put on the pools? I I don't I don't know. This is my problem. I I don't know how you can enforce a lot of the social distancing rules at, at the pools. Is a practical matter. I don't think you can say you've got to wear masks. That just I, I don't see how you enforce that. Uh, can you say to people, okay, you can't get close to each other? How, how do you do that? I mean, are we going to be looking at a summer without swimming? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text, Jeff. What about hotel pools and water parks? I, I, a good question. I mean, okay, Tony Evers doesn't want more than five people to go into a, a several thousand square foot bed bath and beyond. He doesn't think you can do that safely. Water parks where people like like line up and, and climb up the ladders and you know go down and sometimes you bump into other people and you've got the kids that are running around. I mean I I, I don't I that I mean that is a very, very real question. I mean are are you going to be able to open up water parks? Hotel pools again it's it's the same sort of thing. Not in part just because of, of the interaction with people. You 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 know, people gather together around these pools. It's as a practical matter, almost, I think, impossible to maintain social distancing, even with the, the best of standards. Will the government allow pools to open up this summer? 855-616-1620. David in Mequon. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, so I, I do think the pools should be open. And I'm going to tell you why. So uh, there's an article that's dated uh, March 19th of this year, of uh, the U.S. Masters uh, Swimming uh, webpage. And it okay. mentions in here, the CDC uh, specifically mentions that um, the COVID-19, uh, there's no evidence that it can be spread uh, to humans through the use of pools right. and hot tubs. And the reason right. being because the chlorine Sure. Um, if you remember, obviously washing your hands and you know, cl- you know, keeping them clean kills the virus very easily. So the same effect if your kids are in the pool, which is yep. properly uh, chlorinated, will have the same effect as if you're like washing your hands or, or anything else yeah. for that matter. So, so that's yep. what I'm basing that uh, decision on. Well, David, David, thanks for the call. I mean, and yeah, I, I guess that that's the, the people that are going to argue to close it down. It's not so much that the disease 
gets transferred through the water. Because you're, you're exactly right. My, my guess is with the chlorine or the chemicals they put in, the disinfectants they put in, that it's not like COVID-19 is going to spread. But it's, it's, more the, it's more the social interaction that's going on in the pools. Okay, so you, you've got a bunch of kids in the pool. Well, well what are they doing? They're, they're, they're close to each other. You know, they're, it's, not, it's not like they're six feet apart. And if you're in a pool, you're not wearing a mask. All right. You're, I mean, you're not wearing a face mask. And then you get out of the pool. And what are the kids doing? Well, the kids are running around. And they're sitting on, on the, the lounge chairs and stuff like that. It's, it's less, are you likely to get it in the pool? It's more that how do you maintain a, a social distancing? If that's what still the, the goal is going to end up being, how can you do that as a practical matter? Okay, um, let's see. Let's go to some other text. Uh, Jeff, open the pools. It's our choice. Well, yeah, that's you. You would think, but uh, again, we're at a stage now where we're not letting more than five people into giant retail stores. You know, can, can you really imagine what 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 does the governor think about these water parks with people like lining up and stuff like that? Um, Jeff, my daughter worked at the Hartford Outdoor Pool last summer. She said they were constantly sanitizing, and and again, I'm, I'm sure they are. That's not the concern, though. The concern is. You know, people congregating in the pool. Uh, Kathy in Wauwatosa says, Jeff, my daughter has been a lifeguard at Hoyt Pool in Wauwatosa for the last two years. Rumor has it it will open up, but only for lap swimming after Memorial Day. So, you know, the li- limited number of people at the pool, separated by lanes, etc. Jeff, let people make their own decisions. I don't need you or the government to tell me what I can and cannot do. Jeff, I was a lifeguard for seven years. No way pools work for social distancing for kids, even tough for adults. Some beaches are not staffed with lifeguards, very tough to enforce if open. And I guess that's, that, that, that's kind of my point. And this is, again, one of these sort of balancing things that we're going to have to figure out as we balance this desire that, that some of us, some people have to not be exposed to any sort of risk versus the inherent risk that, that comes with, for example, opening up a pool. Because I, I don't understand how you can do social distancing. I get how you can do social distancing on on golf courses and and things of the like but at pools people are in close proximity to each other it's just kind of the uh nature um let's see jeff in addition to the question of opening outdoor and indoor pools for recreation what about swimming lessons most students learn the valuable lifelong skill of swimming um when young during the summer well that that's true i mean think about think about the swimming lessons you're you're, you're in the pools, and it tends to be a hands-on kind of thing a, a lot of times with the kids. The instructor is there, or mom and dad, you know, you're there, and you're, you're holding the, you're, the children close, etc. Um, let's see. Um, uh, Jeff, sometimes life just has to go on. How long are we going to be held hostage? Well, okay, that's, that's the, you know, that's the question. Um, dot, 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 dot. Let's see. Uh, Jeff, Fond du Lac had 20 cases yesterday. Most were from a pool party. You answer the question. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's it. it. It's not the pool itself. It's not the activity of swimming, but it's the kids, if that's in fact true, it's the kids coming together and, and being around the party. That's the, the thing. Um, Jeff, chlorine will clean your hands, but it may not help you sneeze and coughs. Seems risky unless we social distance. Um, so, I mean, I, there, there is a sentiment out there, and I, like I say, I don't think you can social distance in the swimming context, so there is a percentage of people out there who 
apparently are of the opinion that the risk is so great that we should just close all the swimming pools and close all the water parks for the foreseeable future, which, and I, I mean summer of 2020 and, and maybe maybe onward, uh, is, I mean, is, is that feasible and is that what we really want to do? Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Um, so I'm Good. guessing what's going to happen is kind of what's happened with everything so far is uh, the pools will eventually open. They will be limited to how many people can go in. Um, and like with the stores now, you know, only five people are allowed in. Well, that's right. just as of today. Things have changed daily. Things have changed weekly. Um, I think we're four days away from the the benchmark we were going for for the 14 days in a row of a downward trend. Um, and I believe after that, you'll start to see things opening up. I think it's the slow roll to an open. So I don't see like okay. you're, you're kind of talking about this five people per store thing as if that's the be all end all. Um, no, that, that that's going to change. Everything has been changing daily and weekly. So it has it has been changing daily. Okay, look look into your crystal ball. Think think about all those water yeah. parks at the Wisconsin Dells. Do you see them open this summer? Um, you know, probably. Well, it definitely won't look like it did. Um, but yeah. I've already seen like um, you know, like like Six Flags. I know it's not a water park, but it is a you know theme park. They're talking about doing it on a reservation basis. Um, so you'll probably see something like that. I mean, it's, that's going to end up being more to the businesses and what they're comfortable with, too. But I would say they're probably going to be open. It's just going to be a totally different scenario, you know? Yeah. Now, thanks for calling. Well, I don't disagree with that. I, I just, and I guess the question that, that I have from a business model standpoint is if, if you're allowed to open, but you're, I mean, well, you, you see that with some businesses. There are, there are businesses who have been deemed essential that um, ha- haven't opened because some of the rules just don't make it practical for for them to do that. I mean, l- restaurants are a classic example of that. Okay, the restaurants can be open for for takeout service. Well, there's a lot of restaurants out there that it just doesn't make any sense. Their 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 business model is is people coming in and doing sit down dining, and it just doesn't make enough. They they can't make enough money by doing the carry out service to you know justify you know opening up their their doors. And I, I do think Ryan, you're on to something i mean it see but that that's the issue if you if i mean imagine the wisconsin dells i mean think think about you know all the people riding the ducks and think about all those giant water parks and think about all the tv commercials that you see at at the dells where there's there's all the kids and everybody's you know running up the the ladders and everybody's standing in line and you're going one person going down the water slide after another and then somebody hits the water and then you know 30 seconds later or 15 seconds later the next kid comes in and people are bumping into each other i just I don't see it happening as a practical matter. I mean, it, it, it's it's just kind of like it's kind of like Disney World. Disney World and Disneyland they're trying to wrestle with how do you reopen, and and they're the the thing the thinking is right now like what they did with Shanghai Disney. Disney is they're they're reopening but they're limiting capacity to like twenty percent. Well, I think then they're going to try to figure out if you limit capacity to twenty percent, can can you make enough money? That does does the business model work? I will tell you, for a lot of these water parks, and um, I, I knew somebody who was in upper management of a water park. They're, they're not anymore. But the, these water parks are incredibly expensive to operate. It, it is not a cheap endeavor a, at all. And because, you know, to, to, to do the treatments that you need to do and to, to 
pay all the things that you need to pay. It's a very expensive undertaking. My guess is, it's just a guess, but I think it's a pretty good guess. My guess is if you were to say to a lot of these water parks, you can open up, but you can only, you're limited to 20% of your capacity or whatever. A lot of them are going to do the math and they're going to say, okay, we, it just doesn't make any sense. We, we will just get killed. We'll, economically, we're in business to make money. If we can only have 25%, whatever that number is, of what our capacity is, we're, it just doesn't make any sense. We're just better off, you know, keeping the place shuttered. It's going to be an interesting summer. Um, I, as far as pools, I think if pools open, it, it's not going to open for go in and frolic in the pools. You know, maybe it will be lap swimming on a reserve basis, a limited number of people there. But it's going to be a definitely a different summer for 2020. Get ready for it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, um, earlier today, uh, Anthony Fauci and a number of other medical experts testified via video conferencing in front of a Senate committee. And there's going to be a number of headlines from this. Uh, Dr. Fauci, as he has said before, he's, he's... and again, he comes at the whole COVID thing from a, a public health perspective. And, you know, his headlines are, well, we, we can't let people get back to normal too soon or going to spike in, in the numbers. And, and, and that's his opinion. Actually, one of the things that he, he testified to uh, that's, I, I think, really going to be at least the subject of, of discussion. And we talked about this in one of the segments on yesterday's program. It, it's moving forward. What, one of the questions he was asked is, what about schools? And because, I mean, right now, it's the middle of May, right? You know, in Wisconsin, schools uh, start in, in August, and then all schools start by, you know, September 1st. And, and then, of course, then you've got the colleges. Okay, so May, May to June, June to July, July to August. You know, we're talking about, you know, 90 to 100 days before, you know, most schools in this country are, are opened. You know, may, maybe three and a half months, three to three and a half months. And, you know, they, they talked to Dr. Fauci and he his, his takeaway was, well, you know, until we have a vaccine or a treatment, which he thinks is a ways off by a ways. He means like a year or two. You know, he's saying, I, I just I think it might be too dangerous to open up, open up schools. Now, let's just kind of think this this through. I mean, for everybody out there, and I, I think we would have to agree that. What happened over the course of of the last couple months has been, I, I, I don't know if the word disastrous is the right word to use, but that it's been a very, very difficult situation for, you know, parents to try to, you know, school their kids at home and for the, the teachers to, to teach over the Internet and things like that to the point that there's a lot of school systems across the country where they've just thrown up their hands and they've, they've they, they've given up uh, effectively. It's kind of like, okay, there's just this isn't working, and I think a lot of people have tried to say, all right, let's just let let's write off the last quarter of of the semester, the spring semester, and then let's let's try to focus on what we're going to do in September. And I, I just I find these comments to be interesting simply because for for anybody who thinks that this may be different, I I, I mean I, I hope you're right, 
But I, I don't know if we don't have a vaccine and we're not going to have a vaccine, I don't think, and we don't have therapeutics. I mean, is the dynamic going to be any different? And are the concerns that led us to close schools are, that led us to close schools two months ago? Is that going to be any materially different, you know, coming up, in, in, you know, in three three months? And and my answer is, I, I don't understand how it's it's different at all. The Chicago Tribune had a piece yesterday saying that they, they you know, some of these Illinois schools are starting to speculate on what can we do? Can we maybe? Uh, you know, have alternate days. So we'll, we'll have, if we've got grades one through six in a school, let's have first, third, and fifth grade, you know, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of one week, and then Tuesday, Thursday, the next, and then have second, fourth, and sixth grade in, you know, the, the other day. So we only do half time and, you know, not allow the lunch rooms to open and all these different things. And I, I mean, I guess I, I don't know what the answer is, but even in that setting, are parents going to feel comfortable doing these things? I, I'm just saying that for anybody who thinks that there is this end game to all this coming up anytime soon? I hope you're right, but I, I think you're you're being naive about this. And and for college campuses, man, I, I mean, when when you want to talk about even though the, the kids on college campuses, if the students come down with this, they are less likely to have serious ramifications. You get sick, then you get better. Still, I mean, you want to talk about areas that are just, you know, breeding grounds for, for passing infections. Well, it's it's a college campus where you've got a bunch of kids that are <coughs> in close quarters, you know, living living in dorms and, you know, touching the same doorknobs and going down the same hallways and going into the same libraries and all these different types of things. I mean, a, as a practical matter, I, I don't see how I don't see how you get kids, given where we are now and given the concerns that that people have about this and given where the health community is right now about saying, hey, you know, if we we, we reopen too soon, you're going to see a spread of this. How how? Are you going to have normal campus life? I mean, how are, as a practical matter, are you going to do this? And I mean, I wonder, because like I've said before, my, my niece is scheduled to be a senior at San Diego State. You know, she's been doing the computer learning and stuff. And But what, what is that going to mean to the economics of the schools if you can't have the kids there? And and are, are kids going to be putting off colleges? And again, sports, not necessarily the most important thing in that dialogue, but if if the colleges, if the universities aren't open to students, how do you have a football season? I mean, how, how, what, what you, you bring the, 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 the players in and, you know, they're, they're on campus, but none of the kids are? Just saying that this is, you know, these are all these issues that I, I know it seems like it's far off and people are thinking, well, you know, this is, we, we have the whole summer to sort this out. You listen to some of the testimony that's being given today from the, the pure health perspective, and that's the way they approach it. They don't approach it being concerned about the people who've lost their jobs and things like that. Their concern is how can we eliminate this virus and guarantee to the extent possible that, that people don't get sick. And from that perspective, you listen to this and you think, my God, how, how, how can anybody be going back to schools, either colleges or high schools or elementary schools in, in the fall? And for all you parents out there, you know, how long is this sustainable to continue doing what you've been doing for the last, you know, couple months? Um, I guess for some of us who, who want and hope this is going to get better, um, I, I don't know that it's going to get better anytime soon. Okay, when we come back, 
arguments today in front of the United States Supreme Court as to whether or not the president should indirectly be required to give up his tax returns. I will explain. We will discuss. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here here's the deal. Um, most presidents, I think, going back to uh, Jerry Ford, have. So you're going back into the seventies. Presidents have, as a matter of course, disclosed their tax returns to the public. There, there's no law that requires them to do it, but but they have. The idea is let let's show the voting public that we we have nothing to hide, et cetera, et cetera. President Trump is the first president in decades who declined to do that. Um, his explanation was that he was under audit and that he would do it otherwise. Well, that's uh, that that's. That might have been his explanation. That is not a valid reason. I mean, just if he's under audit, that's fine, but there's nothing that's, it's not like the IRS says that you're under audit, you can't disclose your, your tax returns to anybody you want. He just doesn't want to disclose his tax returns. Don't know why he, he does it. Some people think that, um, that he's trying to hide something. Other people just think that it, he figures it's nobody's business. There's some speculation that maybe he doesn't have as much money as, as he's impro- implied. Maybe there's people who say, okay, well, he's he's taking these tax breaks that are going to look bad if he's taking these write-offs, and maybe it's going to show that he's not as successful as he tried to. Wh- whatever. Whatever his motivation is, he has declined to do that. Well, Congress and a prosecutor are trying to get at his tax returns. There's the state attorney general out of New York who's trying to get at his tax returns as part of an arguably criminal investigation uh, concerning whether or not there was hush money paid by the Trump organization to, you know, the the adult film actress whose name is escaping me, right? Stormy Daniels. Um, and, And whether... That could possibly be a legal violation. All right, the House is trying to subpoena the records of the tax returns because they say we're conducting oversight investigation and we want to look at whether we should be writing new laws that um, you know might I don't know limit the ability of public figures to take write-offs or, or things of of the like. Um, you know, we want these records. Now, interestingly enough. They are not, either the House and the the prosecutor, aren't seeking records directly from President Trump. So they haven't issued him a subpoena saying, give us your records. That would definitely prompt kind of a constitutional crisis as to whether one branch of government can directly, you know, require another branch, in this case the executive branch, to turn over those records. What they're doing instead is they are issuing subpoenas to other parties that have the records. For example, I don't I, I use I use an accountant to do my taxes. So they're my taxes. I have my tax records, but my accountant also has a copy of, of my tax returns. Okay, that, that she prepares for me. So Laura's got them. She's she's got she's got the tax returns. Um, maybe you have 
you know, you know, other business interests that you might have had to give your tax return to. Maybe as as a condition of getting a loan, for example, for a home mortgage or whatever, your bank or mortgage lender required you to provide them with the last three years of your tax returns, something like that. So in the case of what's going on with the, the arguments in front of the Supreme Court today, they're not subpoenaing the records directly from the president. What they're doing is they're issuing subpoenas to third parties who have the Trump tax records, and they're saying, you know, give them to us. The third parties are saying, look, we're... You know, we, we don't want to get into this, you know, wedding match going on between Congress and the prosecutors and the president. We, we will do, Supreme Court, whatever you tell us to do. You know, you tell us to give over the records, we'll give over the records. You tell us not to, we won't, you, you, but you tell us. So they're not subpoenaing the records directly from the president, even though they're the president's records. They're subpoenaing them from a third party who has them. All right, so that's that's a technical difference, but it is from the way the Supreme Court decides this, I think it's going to be a very significant difference. The Trump people, the president says, this is nothing but a witch hunt. What they're doing is they're looking for, again, this is all part of the Russia thing, etc. This is just the latest way to try to harass me. They're looking for anything they can find. And if you let this Congress do it, you are setting an incredibly bad precedent because what this means is the next time around, if you've got, for example, a Democrat president and you've got Republicans that control the House or the Senate, then you're going to have the, the same kabuki dance that's going on. You know, they're going to be going on all these fishing expeditions. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should Congress, should other parties be able to get access to the president's records, tax returns. And, of course, you you know, let, let us also talk about the real world that we live in. You know that whatever the expressed motivation is for trying to get these records, you know the minute they are turned over, for example, to a congressional committee, you know that, okay, if they are turned over at 2.01 in the afternoon, by 2.03 in the afternoon, copies of those records are going to be leaked and are going to be sent out to reporters for the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC. So you know that once they get disclosed, there's there's not going to be any sort of secrecy at all. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this about a bigger issue than President Trump? Or, hey, if, if you're running for president... Should your tax returns be made public, period? Should you have any right to privacy? What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. And, again, for those of you who, who despise President Trump and who who badly hope there's something embarrassing in those tax returns, you know that that's all well and good, but this is another one where... You know, two years from now, it, it could be, it could be somebody else. The script could be flipped. So, it, is is that what we want to see? You know, moving forward, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Gru is lining up the calls. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is really a fascinating issue on, on so many different levels. Should Congress 
be able to essentially obtain a president's tax returns, personal tax returns, if the president doesn't doesn't want to give them up. Um, let's start with Ed on the east side. Ed, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Good. What do you think? How are you? How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. What do you think? Uh, yeah, my, uh, my question was is this. Uh, we're all citizens of the United States, and I just want to state that if, if Donald Trump wants to get more votes, he would turn over his tax returns. He's been in office basically for almost four years. All I'm saying is this. If he gets the nonsense over with and just reveal his tax returns, why, okay, if Obama did it, Bush, Reagan, mm-hmm. we can go back, right? Jimmy Carter. Clinton. All I'm saying is what makes him so special that he will not show us just what do you make per year? Hey, I can find out what you're making. You just follow a simple form, find out what a person makes. If, if he is the president of the United States, and everyone knows the IRS knows who we are. Why can't we just see what this man is making if he's going to get my vote? That's all I'm saying. Uh, Okay, well, I guess my let me let me ask you. My, my question is, Ed, we 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 can't. The general public can't get a hold of your tax return. Yeah, you're you're right. You can file a request in Madison, and they can you can find yeah, out you know what you what the tax you paid. But no, but you can't get a copy. No, you can't get a copy of your tax return. No, that the I can't I can't right, get a copy right. of yours. You can't get a copy of mine. You can find the bottom line. So right. I guess the the question would be, if Trump doesn't want to show them, why why should he have to? Now, I agree, every other president has, and I also agree that if he had done it, life would be a lot easier. But he's chosen not to do it. Why should he have to give him up? Well, it's going to make him look like he's a crook. I'm just going to come out and say it. Because every president has done it, it's going to make him look like a crook. Okay, well, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. it Look, I've been saying for the last couple years that life would be just a lot easier, and it would have been a lot easier for him if he had just done what Ed said, which is just disclose that that information. Um, I, I mean, as far as the, the crook thing, I mean, if 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 the IRS, look, I have no doubt that, that Donald Trump's tax returns have gotten an incredible amount of scrutiny over the years, and if somebody somewhere believed that there was a basis to bring criminal charges based on deductions that he had taken or false information he reported, I, I have no doubt that those charges would have been issued. All right, there, So you kind of take that off the, the table because there's no charges that have been issued. And I guess the question is, should a, should a president be compelled to do this? And, and what is it? See, I'm trying to think about precedent. And, and again, I, I understand it, it's tough to take the, the, the fact that people either love Donald Trump or they hate Donald Trump out of this. But, I mean, here, here's the legitimate question, I think, moving forward. As a matter of fact, both conservative and liberal jurists were, uh, on the Supreme Court were asking this. They said, okay, well, what about, you know, what about the next time? Does, does the Republican Congress, who doesn't like President Joe Biden, and who wants to go after Biden and wants to go on fishing expeditions, and, and Biden, for whatever reason, hasn't disclosed his records. Do they have a right to say, "Well, we're performing an oversight capacity"? You know, we we want these we want these records of the sitting president. Are there are there any sort of limitations, or is it now just kind of fair game for the other side to try to to turn over those records? I, those are all legitimate questions. If you ask me, I think. Ultimately, I think these companies are going to have to turn over the records. I, I think Trump loses. The Trump attorneys end up losing. 
Um, I hope the Supreme Court, if I'm right, I hope they at least craft some limits that, that don't expose you know, the next president or the president after that or the president after that to, you know, a, a Congress made up of the opposite, opposite party who decides that they want to just go on some giant fishing expedition. And I'm not saying this is or isn't. I'm just saying you got to be really careful with how you move forward. Um, do I think President Trump is probably going to lose this? Yes, I do. My guess is the Supreme Court's going to authorize the turnover of these records. And like I say, five minutes after that happens, you're going to see his tax returns. This is Jeff Wagner.